There was a rare occurrence in the games industry today. Rockstar announced a new video game. Well, it's actually yet another remake of an old game. Since when did Rockstar get cold feet? Good morning, good Thursday morning to you. I'm Shane Satterfield from Sifted, and this is Good Morning Gaming for April 7th, 2022. If you'd prefer to consume the show the way it's intended, in a podcast feed so you can listen on your phone as you get ready for work or commute, head to patreon.com sifted and drop us a pledge. It's free on our YouTube channel for everyone else. You can find our flagship show, Game Face, by searching your favorite podcast service. Please give the show a review if you can. So Rockstar used to be the punk rocker of the games industry. Its bold and risky decisions completely changed the perception of games in the mainstream and redefined the potential for content and pop culture integration. If it weren't for Rockstar being Rebels, who knows where the industry would be right now. But all that's changed in 2022. At this point, Rockstar has released just two new games in the last nine years and has moved towards repetitive online modes instead of creating single-player DLC. Then there was the disaster that was the GTA Trilogy, a poorly executed collection of three GTA games plagued by bugs and graphical issues. It was a safe bet, and it sold very well, but the developer's reputation was tarnished in the process. This low-hanging fruit strategy continues today, with the announcement that Rockstar is funding a full remake of the first two Max Payne games. You know, the shooter that popularized real-time bullet time. A single new product will include both games, and the compilation is under development by franchise creators Remedy Studios, which issued a statement that reads... Max Payne has always held a special place in the hearts of everyone at Remedy, and we know the millions of fans worldwide feel the same. We're hugely excited to be working with our partners at Rockstar Games once again for the chance to bring the story, action, and atmosphere of the original Max Payne games back to players in new ways. If you go back and play Max Payne today, it's not especially fun or enlightening. The games will need to be changed so much, it makes you wonder if it's smarter to just create a new IP instead. And perhaps we're partly to blame, at least me anyway, for Rockstar's stunning turn towards risk aversion. Max Payne 3 from 2012 isn't much better than the first two games. It was a significant disappointment both critically and financially. We gave it a 7.6 at game trailers, which prompted an hour-long phone call with Rockstar PR where they begged us to like the game more and change the score. We're guessing it had similar conversations with other outlets, but in the end, it was burned for creating a new game instead of just reworking a known quantity. This rework of the first two Max Payne games is coming to PC, PS5, and Xbox series, but no release date has been announced. It hasn't even entered full production, so the wait is going to be lengthy. But if Rockstar's recent behavior is any indication, expect the bare minimum and as few risks as possible. And now for a couple more stories from the top of your SIFs. House of the Dead remake reviews are in, and for an arcade game from 1997, it's held up pretty well. Its Metacritic average is 66, with the biggest complaint being that the game simply isn't very long. This is a long-running issue, with playing games designed to kill you every 30 seconds, so you put in another quarter 
on platforms with Infinite Continues. Some reviews complain that the Joy-Con-based motion controls aren't all that great either, but it does feature a pretty significant graphical upgrade, and it's a Switch exclusive for now. Speaking of Switch, Nintendo Switch Online's Retro Collection got a boost today with the announcement that Mario Golf 64 will be added to the service on April 15th. Well, in truth, it's really just called Mario Golf. I just added the 64, but it was very highly rated at its release in 1999, and arcade golf hasn't really evolved all that much since. Unfortunately, it looks like online play hasn't been added for its Switch release. In the first real signs of a post-E3 world, THQ Nordic announced today that its big 2022 press conference will be happening on August 12th. That's right. The rising European publisher is letting us know more than four months in advance that it's having a big press conference. This may be the first sign that since there's no formal E3 this year, there may also not be some sort of formal big game event in the June timeframe. Without the industry's big anchor event, everything could be coming in all scattershot in 2022. Remember Hyperscape? No? Don't worry, no one else does either. It was Ubisoft's sci-fi battle royale shooter that included a lot of verticality in its gameplay. We actually enjoyed it quite a bit, but we were definitely in the minority. It didn't last long, as it's on the verge of being killed. Well, Ubisoft won't give up, and a brand new but similar looking shooter called Pathfinder leaked today. It's a hero-based third-person shooter like Fortnite, where players proceed through multiple stages of a map to face a boss. This news comes via website Xputer, which claims to have videos and screenshots of the game, but did not share them in its story. So take this news with a grain of salt. Staying with Ubisoft, after yesterday's announcement that Ghost Recon Breakpoint has closed up shop, Kotaku is reporting that the next Ghost Recon game is nearing completion and could be released in the next fiscal year. According to the blog, the game is under development at Ubisoft Paris. The article also mentions that Ubisoft's take on Warzone, Ghost Recon Frontline, is currently being reworked after a negative reception to its initial announcement. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll tackle today's boss fight. Welcome to today's boss fight, where I tackle random topics that may, or may not be, related to video games. With the release of the House of the Dead remake, it got me thinking back to the quote-unquote good old days, when I would spend way too much time in the summer skulking through video game arcades trying to figure out how to best spend the $2 my grandma gave me every single day. I generally view those times as some of the best times of my life, but it wasn't all great. There are definitely parts of being a gamer in that era that actually sucked. Yes, there are things from the good old days that I don't miss one bit. You may think gaming is expensive now, but it was far more expensive back then. Video game consoles were insanely expensive for the time. The Atari 2600 launched at 190 bucks, which is almost $900 today when adjusted for inflation. That's insane. How much do you think a console would sell today if it cost that much? <laughs> I don't think it would sell very well. The games were kind of worse. They varied in price a lot more than they do now, but the big games released at 50 or 60 bucks. 
Adjusted for inflation, that's around $130 today. If you got one game at Christmas or your birthday, you were one happy camper. It was a different time, but arcades were even more expensive. As I said, my grandmother would give me $2 every day to spend however I wanted, and I would spend every penny in the arcade. If I were lucky and only played games that I was good at, I'd get maybe 15 to 20 minutes out of those two bucks. It adds up fast. Arcades were also extremely unhealthy. People were allowed to smoke inside them, and most cabinets had cigarette burns that went all the way through the plastic and burned up the actual cabinet art underneath. Also, the lack of communication between players was a major bummer. I can't tell you how many video games were bought for me where I would get stuck and then just never play the game again. With no video game magazines or internet, if you got stuck and you and your crew couldn't figure it out, you were screwed. This happened so many times with text RPGs like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or Zork. Sometimes you would have to buy full books just to get unstuck. Another bummer in the really early days was the lack of multiplayer. Sure, you could race against your friends or duke it out in a fighting game in the arcade, but most games for home consoles were single player only. This meant that when you went to a friend's house, you often had to wait your turn to play. There was nothing worse than waiting 30 minutes for your turn to finally come up and then dying in five seconds. One of the most annoying parts of playing in the very early days was how consoles were hooked to your TV. There was a little box that you would have to screw into the antenna poles on the back of your television. And then there was a little switch on it that you would slide side to side depending on whether you wanted to watch TV or you wanted to play games. And then you would have to turn your TV to channel two or three to actually play. The problem is that this little box would get worn out and the wires would unravel, making it a pain to hook up if you wanted to take it to another room to play. And then there's just the annoyance of anytime you wanted to switch from your console to your TV, you'd have to go back to the back of the television and slide the little switch. It was a huge pain in the butt and if you moved your console a lot, inevitably it would get destroyed and you'd have to buy another one. Then there was just a lack of information in general. With no video game reviews to read or watch, you bought games based on the box art and instruction manual. I am not kidding. Those three screenshots on the back of the box would sell video games. Towards the end of the Atari 2600 era, the market was flooded with terrible games, and I can't tell you how many times I got burned. Now, I will say this too. At that point, a lot of the games had dropped to 20 or 30 bucks, but still, that was a lot of money back then. And then there were high-profile games like E.T. or Pac-Man that were terrible, but still sold in the millions because there was no way to be alerted to their stench. But easily, the biggest problem back in the day was the lack of saving. If you wanted to finish a game, you had to do it all in one sitting. Now, truth be told, games really weren't that long back then. They were just extremely difficult and punishing. Some of them, like Pitfall, only gave you so much time to complete them. I think you had like 20 minutes to get all the way through Pitfall. And making your way through the game before time ran out was actually part of the challenge. No saves meant that you often had to leave your console turned on for days at a time, hoping no one would stumble over it and kick out the power cable or your parents just wouldn't get pissed and turn it off. Leaving the console sitting there turned on as I went to bed would cause me untold anxiety as I tried to go to sleep. And as soon as my eyes opened the next morning, I would go bounding back to it to make sure that nothing happened. So the next time someone like me starts talking about the good old days of gaming, 
remind them that they weren't all that great. Thanks for listening to Good Morning Gaming. I appreciate every single one of you who listens to GMG. I'm Shane Satterfield. Follow me on Twitter at Dinfire and follow Sifted at Sifted Games. And while you're on the interwebs, head to patreon.com sifted and drop us a pledge. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. But until then, make sure you seize today because there will never be another.